Hey, so I get to start our summer series about being fruitful, about um, living with the evidence of the Spirit in our lives. And, and we're leaning into um, a scripture from Galatians 5. And, and before, we, before we get to the good part, uh, Paul sets up uh, the fruitfulness by contrasting it to what life might look like if we don't follow and live by the fruit of the Spirit. And, and he uses some pretty, um, some pretty hard words. He says uh, hostility would come into our life. He, he says quarreling, uh, jealousy, outburst of anger. He says immorality and, and, and sexual immorality. He says dissension, division, and envy are the things that sort of creep into our life when we don't uh, live by the fruit that the Spirit produces. But today, I want to lead into that, that good news that Paul shares. You see, see we, be, we begin our journey by allowing Jesus to save us from everything I just listed. By, by allowing Jesus to save us from our sin and our capacity for envy and anger and divisiveness and division and jealousy. And that is where our journey begins. But our God is so good and so faithful to us that he doesn't just ask us to come and find forgiveness of sin and then leave us alone. He actually wants to lead us for a lifetime into being fruitful or fruitful of spiritual fruit in our life. So that's what we'll look at today. And our key verse from the summer, the good news we'll be looking at this summer is from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And it says this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. But the key phrase, as we run down, the key phrase in this passage is this. The Holy Spirit produces produces. When something is produced, it's made. When something is produced, we take one thing and we, we make it into another. When something is produced, we cause something to happen. And the Holy Spirit produces this fruit in us. And so that's the journey that we're on. As we begin to walk with Christ, as we begin to live out the Christian faith, we're on a journey of the Holy Spirit producing this fruit in us. But there are two traps that we can fall into. And the first trap, as the Holy Spirit would attempt to work in our life, is the overthinking trap. We can overthink the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And we can overthink it in a couple of ways. One way is we, we sort of overthink it because the, the Spirit is something that um, we've seen people throughout history try to manipulate. We've seen the Spirit be some, it's mysterious, the Spirit of God is mysterious, so we use the Spirit, we pursue the Spirit, we want to gain the Spirit, we, we want to seek status through the Spirit, or, or we want to seek that God gives us some kind of special thing in our life. But the purpose of that seeking, that manipulation is for us, and not for God's work or the common good. The, the other thing that, that we overthink it, and, and I think this is probably where a lot of our mountaintop folks might fall. We overthink the Spirit because the Spirit is so mysterious. 
that we sort of think, you know, Father, Son, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, Father, Creator, Son, Forgiver, Spirit, I'm not sure. And also, there's all these folks that overthink it by manipulating it. So I think I'll just leave that spirit thing alone. And we have Christians, people following Jesus, who actually avoid talk of the Holy Spirit or attempting to follow the Spirit's lead because of fear of that mysterious part of the Spirit. But let's don't overthink the Spirit. It's it's pretty simple, and it's very foundational to our faith. I mean, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it's absolutely foundational. And the Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us, is a few things in our life. The Holy Spirit is a helper, and the Holy Spirit um, is a guide for us. At times, the Holy Spirit would convict us of sin, convict us of our need for Jesus. At times, the Holy Spirit would, would correct us and show us where we're wrong. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts that are used for the common good, and the Holy Spirit produces spiritual fruit in our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit is and does in our life. Billy Graham said this many, many years ago in his book called The Holy Spirit. He said, people have two great spiritual needs. One is forgiveness. God answered that need with Jesus. He said, the other is for goodness. And he said, God answered that when he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to be truly good. See, Paul doesn't overthink the Spirit. In fact, he simply invites us in Galatians uh, 5.25. He says, since we are living by the Spirit, since we have received Jesus... And that's, Christians are defined by receiving the presence of Jesus in our life, admitting that we, we're sinners and that we need the grace of Jesus. So since we are living by the Spirit, when that happens, we begin to live by the Spirit. He says this, follow that up. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Well, there's also a second trap, and, and, and I'll call it the overthinking trap. I'll call this trap the replacement trap, and, and Paul tells us that we can't replace the work of the Holy Spirit with either human wisdom or human effort. In fact, in Galatians 1.11, he says this, as he's sort of setting up this, he says, the gospel message I preach, the central truth of what I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. Now, let me say this. Paul is not saying that human reasoning is a bad thing. So we need human reasoning, right? I mean, the faith is not in conflict with philosophy or, or science or anthropology or mathematics. We need human reasoning. What Paul is saying is the foundation for the fruit of the Spirit isn't those things. It's something else. The foundation of the gospel is not built on mere human reasoning. You see, spiritual fruit doesn't come from a mathematics equation. Spiritual fruit doesn't come from a mind-bending philosophy. Spiritual fruit doesn't come from scientific discovery. Spiritual fruit comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not based in something else. But then Paul asks a very practical 
rhetorical question about human effort. In Galatians 3.2, he asked the people, he says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Did, did you receive? Did, and, and the obvious answer is no. No, Paul, we didn't. And, and what, is, what he's saying there is, he's saying that spiritual fruit doesn't come just by trying harder. Spiritual fruit doesn't come just by leaning back into religious rituals and trying harder to find them. You see, we can't replace the work of the Spirit with our own work and effort. Here's how the replacement sort of happens in a really practical way. So, uh, so you want patience, right? And we all want to be patient. Well, look, buddy, just slow down. Breathe a little. I mean, just say serenity now a lot. I saw it on a TV show once. Just, right? Just be patient. Let's say we, we want kindness. You, you know, the world say, hey, 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 just don't be a jerk. Okay? Just get rid of your jerkiness and then you'll be kind. Right? Just, just try harder. Let's say we want faithfulness. Well, you know, faithfulness is easy. It's just being loyal. It's just doing what you say you're going to do. It's, it's being loyal. It's dependable. It's staying focused for the long haul. I mean, just wake up in the morning and be faithful. Right? Well, the problem with that is that it's never worked. Well, maybe it's worked a little bit, but it's never worked fully. It's never worked the way that it could. You see, I'm never going to be as loving as the Spirit would make me. I'm never going to be as patient as the Holy Spirit would make me. I'm never going to be as kind, faithful, gentle, self-controlled as the Spirit would make me. Because the Holy Spirit produces the fruit in our life. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine a world where love is displaced with hate? Can you imagine a world where joy is squashed by divisiveness? Can you imagine a world where peace is overwhelmed by anxiety, where patience gives way to selfishness every time, where goodness is only a thing of the past because there's so much hostility around us, where faithfulness is replaced with people who do not keep their word, where gentleness is brushed aside with outbursts of anger, where self-control gives way to radical self-expression? You probably can imagine that world, can't you? It it's, sort of feels like maybe sometimes that's exactly where we live. And maybe sometimes we cry out to God to help us escape it. Or more importantly, to help us influence it in a different way. See, sadly, uh, too many people who call themselves Christians or followers of Jesus slip I don't use that word slip because I don't think we intend to. We slip into that opposite world with the way that we live out our life. New research from December 2022, not that long ago, uh, from the Barna Foundation interviewing 2,500 people in the United States shares the number one reason people step away from faith 
and are stepping away from the church. And the number one reason is the hypocrisy of religious people. That's the way they phrased it. The hypocrisy of religious people. You see, if I look around at followers of Jesus and I don't see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, then I'm tempted to go, what's this thing about again? Because deep in our soul we know that those things are of God and those things are given to us by God. And it's so easy as a follower of Jesus to to slip, to think that, that we've made it. And here, let me speak just briefly to folks who have, maybe, maybe you were in decades ago, maybe a decade ago, or two decades ago, or three decades ago. You came to faith in Jesus. It's so easy over the years to begin to compare ourselves morally to the people around us in the nation we live in and think, you know what, I, 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 I have this. I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I'm a nice person. And, and we don't recognize our own capacity to slip backward. And to begin living in a different way. Because it's the Holy Spirit that produces spiritual fruit. Not a person who one time let the Holy Spirit produce spiritual fruit in them. So now they have it. It never stops. And in Galatians 5.1, Paul gives us a warning. He, he says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Don't start thinking that it's because of your effort that you can live by the fruit of the Spirit. It'll always be because the Holy Spirit produces this in us. That's where freedom comes from. But Paul gives us this uh, incredible promise and hope in the same passage in Galatians and, and in Galatians 5. And, and in Galatians 5.16, he writes these words. He says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. It's an important phrase. Some of us want to avoid that. Well, that's too mysterious. Some of us want to use that. Oh, let me use that. I can gain some status in the kingdom, right? Some of us want to try to accomplish that and replace it with our own effort. But it just says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That's the New Living Translation. In the New International Version, it says, walk by the Spirit. In the Common English Version, it says, live by following the Spirit. In the Message, which is a paraphrase, it says, live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Aren't those two good words? Animated and motivated by God's spirit. Well, the Greek phrase that, that anchors all of those English translations is both present and imperative. And it as, as though Paul is saying, keep on walking in the spirit right now and all of the time. Keep on walking in the spirit. Followers of Jesus. Don't get comfortable. The first step is finding a saving faith in Jesus that the Spirit calls us to. But there are a million steps after that of allowing 
the Holy Spirit to produce fruitfulness in our lives so that the world would see the evidence of God in us. Again, Paul highlights this dynamic, this dynamic of our one need for forgiveness and of our second need for goodness. In chapter 5, verse 24 and 25, Paul says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. That's where our journey begins. And then he says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I wanted to, to end by talking about faithfulness, that, that one fruit. Now, again, don't get me wrong. We don't, God doesn't give one person faithfulness and another person kindness. The, the Spirit produces all of them in each of us. But faithfulness seems to be maybe the most important one for keeping on walking. For, for continuing to make those, those one million decisions at being faithful. Because faithful means that, that I'm reliable, that I'm trustworthy, that I'm dependable, that I'm loyal. So that when people look to me, they see faithfulness in Christ and faithfulness to allow the Spirit to produce that fruit in me. That sounds a lot like, well, well done, my good and faithful servant, doesn't it? It sounds like a life lived very well and good. Well, the first place where God is referred to as faithful in the Bible isn't in the acts of creation. It, it isn't with, uh, with Noah. It's not, it wasn't with Adam and Eve. It wasn't with Cain and Abel. It, it wasn't with Abraham or Isaac, or Jacob. The first place where God is called faithful in Scripture is actually with Moses. And it wasn't after Moses was pulled from the river as a baby, miraculously. It wasn't after Moses experienced God in the burning bush. It wasn't after the miraculous escape from Egypt of the Hebrew people or the parting of the Red Sea. It wasn't after manna fell from heaven and water came from the rocks to feed the folks who were wandering in the wilderness. It was actually toward the end of Moses' life and toward the end of the journey. It was after the people told him, we want to go back to Egypt. It was after he, he, he went away and they made a golden calf. It was after the Ten Commandments were ignored. It was after they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. It was after... Moses was told, oh, by the way, you're not going to enter the promised land. It was after Moses stepped down from leadership and allowed Joshua to step into leadership that Moses stood before the Hebrew people as he was passing that mantle of leadership. And he said these words from Deuteronomy 32. He said, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. God is faithful. And if we're going to be faithful in our life, our beginning point 
is recognizing God's faithfulness to us. That we could keep on walking, that we would keep declaring God's faithfulness, and that in that, God's Spirit would produce faithfulness in us. So, don't overthink it. Don't try to replace it. Keep on walking. I I love to close today with a a little bit of a a personal note. I might get to preach at Mountaintop again one day. We'll see. Um, It's been a joy to serve here for the last three plus years. Uh, I've encountered... uh, a sense of uh, faithfulness and purpose in this place Um, and through us, through our leaders. Um, uh, Over this last month, since we announced that I would be stepping away, you have been so amazingly kind. Thank you. And supportive. Um, I I, I truly uh, feel sent by you into where God is calling next. Over the last weeks and even months, uh, and my wife June will tell you this, I've asked 126 times, you know, am I crazy for stepping away from mountaintop? I mean, things, I mean, the future is bright, things are healthy, things are solid, this new building, am I crazy? And the answer is, yes, Ben, you are crazy, but I want you to do it anyway. That's been the answer, and so I'm thankful for that. In this journey, I I never dreamed that I would work on Carter McGinnis' staff team. I mean, he was just a 25-year-old back when I was 45, so (laughs) um, I don't know how that happens. Um, And I I would just love to share this word. Um, I could spend 20 more minutes, but you have a great pastor. You do. Yeah. And I'll say this, and I hope it's, it's, it's brief, but I hope it lands in the right place. When you've known someone for a long time, you fear that if you go to work on their staff team, that you will lose respect for them. Right? Have you been there? And having known Carter for so long, these last three years, I've actually gained respect for Carter. So receive that. Receive that. Lastly, I, I just want to say I never dreamed I'd get to work with such a talented, um, passionate uh, staff team or group of leaders for that matter. Folks, you have the best directors and elders and staff team. They're in it. And they're not in it to get a paycheck. They're in it to win it. They're in it for the mission. And I never dreamed I'd get to plant a church again. Goodness. But as I look back over my life and my ministry, um, I know that uh, when I planted a church, it was so effective at reaching folks who were far from God and who weren't involved in church. And I look so forward to that. And I know that there was great satisfaction, and maybe it's the thing that I'm best at at the end of the day. So for anybody tuning in from Milton, get ready. It's going to be a wild ride. We'll follow the Spirit together.
there's this incredible vision that Mountaintop has. And I'll be praying for it, and I'll be cheering for it. I'll be cheering that we truly are people who are going to be for one because we all can reach one more person for Christ. That will be truly be a people who are for families because the next generation is worth everything we have. That we truly be a people who are for Birmingham because God calls us to love the city we're in. Mountaintop at 31 years old didn't happen because people were unfaithful. There's a lot of faithfulness through the years. Where Mountaintop is headed will not happen because people are unfaithful. God sees a lot of faithfulness in the years to come. So I just want to encourage you. Your best and your highest faithfulness will not come from you. It'll come from allowing the Holy Spirit to produce faithfulness in you, recognizing that the one who leads us is faithful and always will be. Paul says this, follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Amen. 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 Hey, let's... Uh, Thank you. Let's stand. Let's stand and sing together about God's faithfulness and goodness.